Welcome back, everybody, to the Full Tank Motorcycle Podcast. I'm joined by Tim, as always. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Not too bad. I'm sort of trying to stay warm in the studio at the moment because it's <laughs> horrendously cold outside, which has its yeah. challenges when your job is to get out and make motorcycle videos. You've been riding? I haven't this week. No, my bike is still uh, poorly sick. I didn't fancy taking it out with the brakes not sorted. So it's booked in next week. To be fixed up. Fun. Yeah, going to have the, the service and hope for, hopefully they can inspect the brakes because uh, it's going to take a little bit of time before I can kind of trust in that, especially <laughs> anyone, for long distance. Yeah, if anyone missed the last episode, uh, Tim has some problems with his front brake and then pulled over and then touched them and burnt his hand. I did and put that picture on the on the Facebook group actually today. Sorry, mate. Oh, to share, that's but. fine. No, I'll, I'll have a look later here. See uh it's nice, isn't it, when you get the messages from people saying get well soon. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> look, it's actually idiot. healed really quickly. Or that, yeah, that's not so nice when people call you a dick. Uh but that comes up regularly as well. But no, it's actually healing really well. So yeah. Got off lucky with that. Good news, mate. And then you'll be back on the bike, hopefully, if it warms up. I'll tell you what, though, like yeah. this week I was out and um, around the Bristol area where we're, we're based, it's it's not been that bad. It's been cold and obviously mm. the road is cold and it makes it a yeah. little bit difficult to do anything interesting on camera yes. on the bike because you're just scared of sliding out. It's greasy, yeah. it's cold, it's hard to get temperature yeah. in the tires and uh, there's a lot of salt, which I find as slippy as, you know, wet and ice sometimes. If there's quite a yeah. decent layer of it, it's like riding on miniature gravel. Basically, um, yes, yeah. But yeah, also on Monday, I was out riding up at Superbike Factory in Donington. Yeah. Hadn't fully appreciated how much snow there'd been up there because I was in the car, came off the motorway, yeah. and then I was like, oh, yeah. there's still quite a lot of snow at the side of the roads in the fields and stuff. And I thought maybe I hadn't... It's tricky, properly. isn't it? Because I, I rode, um, last time I did ride in that, which was just before Christmas, and I went up to Wales as well. And uh, I knew it was a gamble anyway. And it was really dependent on how lucky I was with the weather because it could have turned either way. Um, and yeah, when you start going up and you're like an hour into your journey and then you start seeing like the sides of the roads, the banks and the uh, the fields next to it are uh, whiter and whiter and it's getting even thicker as you go along. You're like, oh, have I made a mistake on this one? <laughs> So yeah, I've got a, a, I've got a fairly decent tolerance, I think. I don't know whether you follow a guy called Richie Vida. Yeah, yeah, we messaged him yeah, cool. recently about yeah. one of the bikes that I've got. Yeah, awesome. So I met him at uh, English Electric Motorcycle Company, and uh, really nice guy when I ride with him. But I follow him on Instagram, and my God, he—I mean, like, his is on another level in terms of what he's been riding this week. I don't know whether you've caught his Instagram this week. I think he's up in Scotland, in is Scotland? he? Yeah, yeah, in Scotland. <laughs> on his Africa twin and it's full snow. Like he's riding in snow. It's not even like it's on the sides of the roads and the road he's on is clear and gritted. Yeah. He's fully riding that thing through snow. And I'm like, mate, that is, yeah, either <clears throat> really brave or foolhardy. I don't know which one I lean towards, but that's Pretty not, impressive. Yeah. I go nowhere near that anymore. I've got a, a fairly low tolerance for the risk of it. Cause it's just inconvenient. If you drop it at low speed, even it's just inconvenient. It's expensive. It pisses you off. So, I don't go yeah. on that. What's your threshold, you reckon, for like temperature? Mm, I don't know. It's about the the content. I mean, normally I'm out riding, filming something. So I think I'm yeah. I'm all right on the bike. On my Tiger, for example, you've got good wind protection. Now I've got a lot of heat gear now, which makes such a huge difference yeah, that you does. can you can pretty much ride down to what like temperatures where 
the danger really is not you getting cold when you've got that stuff on. Yeah. It's the, it's the road conditions and where you're starting to actually get like a lot of ice and stuff. So yeah, I feel pretty good. It's got heat grips, heat seat, hand guards. And then I've got the full jacket and trousers that go under my gear. And if you max that yeah. out, you can boil yourself, especially if you're wearing <laughs> sort of waterproofs over the top. Um, yeah. But it's more when you switch the bike off and get off it mm. and then have to stand around doing camera work and chatting to the camera. And I've, I've tried to get, get a bit of a solution for that. I was talking to Keith, you know, the, they yeah. make heated gear yeah, as well. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, excellent stuff. They sent out some mm. gloves and a, and a gilet. And I'm going to test those out over the next few weeks. I guess I'll get right. plenty of opportunity. But what I said to them was like, do you have anything that's, you know, battery pack powerable for a decent amount of time. Because what I need is, yeah, the ability to jump off the bike and maybe switch to the battery pack. And then I can, even even if it only lasts for an hour or two, that's enough to do a little bit of filming. Um, But I think the the big stuff, you know, the the gilets, the trousers, they just rinse through the battery so quickly that I think they said it, you know, probably not really worth it. The gloves are are, are fine on batteries. It's a decent point but i mean so we also might want to look at racer as well uh racer france oh, yeah. make gloves and uh gilets and jackets and stuff like that and i think there's list up to about four hours or something like that for how long they last so there's some stuff out there man you might want to have another look but yeah i mean keys key if racer's got it key should have it as well but yeah check it yeah out. i just saw last week as well revit did a social post on instagram uh that they're starting to sell heated gloves and stuff. Their so gloves are very impressive. Yeah, we had two of theirs in recently. They were really good. Yeah. Ah, so one of theirs in, sorry, it's the Ray, uh, Revit Liberty. Um, okay. Yeah, it genuinely a really good pair of gloves. But they're pretty new to that, aren't they? Yeah, fairly new. I've not seen much from them in the past. So if they have, it would be collaboration maybe. But um, yeah, this one, genuinely, it's really good. It's the battery pack that's most impressive on that one as well because it's uh, like a lot of things. It's like a power bank. You know, some of them get it, you get it out and it's... Um, I don't know if you've ever seen like racing drones and stuff like that, where people have made their own batteries for remote control stuff, basically. Mm. And it always looks like you're making a bomb and it's going to explode. And you have to be very careful with how you charge it and stuff. And heated gloves, for me, sometimes they can look that way as well, because they don't put all the sort of finesse around the box to make it neatly packaged. They just go, here's a battery, here's a cable, whack yeah. it in and figure it out. Whereas with um, the Revit ones, it was a really nice looking, like aesthetically pleasing cube with uh, mm. a USB, micro USB, rather than like a special power bank that you've got to plug into it. And yeah, it lasts for a long time and it's bigger than most and it can charge your phone and stuff like that. So look into them. Mate, that sounds like a, Top tips. <laughs> a revenant type decision where you're stuck on the side of the motorway somewhere and it's snowing and you're thinking, <laughs> do I charge my phone or keep my hands warm? A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depends on that crisis situation, yeah. Revit is it's my favorite stuff, so I'm looking forward to seeing if they kind of make more stuff because I, we, we use quite a bit here. They send us a um, mm. decent amount of gear for leathers, for track, uh, some sort of more urban riding stuff, and then I've got a full Revit adventure suit. And mm-hmm. the quality and the kind of design of it and the style of it, personally, I just love. And I think yeah. if I had to pay for it, which I'm fortunate – <laughs> no, not, not to. But um, if I had to, I think it, it, it's it's really worth it. And so I'd, I'd love to pick up some of their heated gear as well. But anyway, we'll yeah. keep our eyes peeled. Fortunately, mm. last week, actually, I was kind of more shooting indoors. So we had the big 120th uh, anniversary Harley announcement. So they 
revealed their lineup for 2023 with a few new bikes. And one bike that I was lucky enough to go and see in the flesh was the Nightster Specials. It's a kind of new mm. updated edition of the Nightster, which was released last year as a kind yeah. of liquid cooled, more, um, let's say, emissions friendly version of right. a, a Sportster, effectively. Yeah. And yeah, I actually got invited to the warehouse, which is up in Gloucester, so not far away. Naturally, I went in the car. You know, I had a lot of gear with me, <laughs> yeah. um, but it was the first bike to come into the UK and then they unboxed it. So we got to kind of do some video footage of it being uncrated and nice. checked over and then parked mm. it in the warehouse for me to do a bit of a, a walk around. And it's, mm -hmm. it's quite a cool looking bike. I don't know if you've checked it out. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, just from imagery that I can find. Um, and it does look nice. Yeah. From all of their press stuff, it looks pretty good uh i think the nightster in general looks quite swanky swanky's a that's an antwack word isn't it that's like no no <laughs> take out my words make me sound less nerdy um no in terms of like comparisons though to the standard nightster um how much more special does it look to your eye well, I mean, what you were just saying there about the nightster looking good i think it really depends on your perspective for the harley hardcore i think the air-cooled sportsters and stuff like that, it's going to be very hard to let that go. And I don't think yes. the Nightster immediately has been quite to that audience's taste, certainly from what I can see in the comments on my videos, where we do get Harley okay. owners and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think if you just look at it from a completely neutral perspective with no context or history of liking the other bikes, and, and mate, like the sportsters are great to ride, love the engines yeah. and... yeah. Uh, like the feel and sort of character of them, much like the commando we were talking about in the in the yeah, yeah. last episode. Um, but yeah, I think it looks quite cool if you just come at it from a, like I say, neutral perspective. The special has quite a lot of upgrades, it has to be said. So you get the round TFT display from the Sportster S. So um, mm -hmm. it opens up so much stuff. It's kind of crazy. Just changing the dash means that you can actually do a lot more things. So uh, phone connectivity, of course. Uh, you can do custom riding modes as well with lots of parameters. Uh, you've got tire pressure monitoring as standard and yeah. cruise control as well. So loads and loads of things. It was quite interesting. We, we switched the bike on. Obviously, I couldn't take it for a ride. We'll get to test yeah, it yeah. perhaps in a few weeks or months. But... Um, looking through the settings, we went through the, the dash and I've noticed this on the sports dress, mate. It's the same operating system and layout to some extent as the Panamerica. And so when you go and customize right. the riding modes, there are like off-road settings for the traction control and ABS and stuff. So I don't know if it's just like, it's just consistent across all those bikes that use that operating system yeah. or if they genuinely just thought, well, you know, we've built that tech or algorithm yeah. let's just leave it on there in case so, you do want to yeah. sorry let's go back a second so on the sports yeah. and stuff it, it has an off-road setting like customizable setting. so of course you know for the for the pan america there's like minimal tc and abs intervention if you put them into an yeah. off-road setting yeah. especially i think there's a, a dedicated off-road mode but right. with the sports duress which came out last year that has the same dash and then yeah. now this nice the special that gets it yeah, there's yes. no off-road riding mode, but when you go into right. custom and go into traction yeah. control, ABS, some of those settings, yeah, there is an option okay. for off-road, which is 
Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I would not mm. off-road one of those bikes. Let me tell you, no. the, the Sports Thrust has like two, two inches of rear travel on the shocks. Well, <laughs> would, you can do it. It'd be so do, impressive though. How impressive would that be if you rocked up an adventure day? On one of those? <laughs> well, it'd be impressive for like all of five minutes until you actually set off. <laughs> Have you ever tried to it? stand on the pegs on a, on a cruiser? <laughs> yeah, it takes <laughs> a lot of hard work. Point. A lot of, yeah, hard, hard on your arms. Um, yeah, it, it's, um, I get, I sort of, for some of it, I suppose maybe, you know, like you see the KTMs and stuff. Yeah, they'll have uh, like a supermoto mode and stuff. I think because yeah. legally speaking, and it will tell you as well when you turn it off on your off-road bike, uh, not for use on road. If you turn off ABS and stuff like that, um, but without that, you can't then lock up the rear or do cool skids. Uh, and that's what I was thinking. Did they leave know, it so that you've just got that option to be a little possibly. bit wild? But then why didn't they just yeah, call possibly. it anyway? I, I think honestly, personally, I'd have. I'd rather have the most possible settings. And so I, yeah. I kind of don't mind that they left it in, but it just was a little quirk, but I don't want to anyway, detract from what I'm saying. <laughs> the other things you get are, um, the passenger seat and foot pegs as standard, which don't come as standard on the other bike. And then it's got, okay. um, different wheels that look a bit more fancy or right. there's a couple of other things as well. But I think mm. the majority is in the tech, the engine suspension brakes, mm -hmm. Stuff like that are pretty much the same. Uh, it's that tech, but it's about a grand more, I think, than the standard bike. And when you think that, if yeah. you look in the Harley accessories catalog, stuff like the seat and pegs are, that'll come to 400 quid. So if you're thinking about carrying a passenger anyway, yeah, um, you may as well just go for the special, I suppose, because then the remaining, you know, six or 800 quid gets you so much in terms of functionality. I just wonder yes. if like that level of tech is a bit of a, contradiction with the sort of cruiser style bike especially coming from that sort of sportster heritage and now yeah. kind of replacing it the people want you know engine braking five settings or whatever mm. on a bike like that i'm not really sure they do plus the price is getting pretty steep for those bikes i think it's so different in the u.s mm -hmm. compared to the uk but when they import the bikes into the uk i think this the nice especially is now 15395 which is a decent amount of money yeah and, and the um the nights that when they launched it last year and i reviewed it i thought it's a decent bike and i thought mm. you know plenty of power interesting handles quite well it's got the fuel tank under the seat the actual tank is a, is a dummy sort of metal airbox cover a bit like a yeah. an ftr i suppose mm -hmm. uh, from yeah. India. or a yamaha virago as well yeah <laughs> i could have forget and, and so, like, you know, decent bikes arrived, but it was 12995 And I was like, oh, maybe that's pushing it a bit. And manufacturers do tend to launch bikes a little bit cheaper so that they get, you know, good press to start. But for this year, it's gone up by 1,200 quid. So it's 14195 for the standard bike. I think you've really got to want one. 15395 yeah. still is, you know, it's a decent amount of money. I know that Harley brand is worth quite a bit to some people anyway. And they yes. do, they do keep their value. I said this in the video about the Nightster special. They do hold their value. If you try and find a cheap used Harley, they just don't exist. No. Even if you go back, you know, even decades on it from here, if you go back 10 years, even they're still holding good money. Totally. But mate, for 15 grand, there's probably some good other bikes you could get. I don't know if that'd be top of your list with that kind uh, of money. Uh, me personally, no. I mean, I can understand, I really can see the appeal in them. I could uh, definitely see the appeal if you live in the States and yeah. they are more affordable. 
I mean, it's just, yeah, unfortunately, bringing it over here then makes it a premium brand and doesn't necessarily match up, like you say, with what you're actually getting in comparison to European manufacturers, which obviously can get their bikes over here a bit easier. Mm. Uh, or even Asian ones, right? like J- Japanese ones as well, um, which is surprising. But yeah, in terms of like the market, they're definitely steep, aren't they? I mean, that's, but that's also true of Indian. So they mm. sort of, they couple together nicely, don't they? Especially yeah. in terms of the, the bracket of price. If you're considering one, you've probably at least looked at the other. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, you're absolutely right. So in the UK, the Indian Scout Rogue, which is probably the most similar looking bike in their lineup and most comparable yeah. in terms of power and whatnot. I think it's about 100 horses. You get 90-ish from the from the Harley. Uh, that bike yeah. is 13995 and that doesn't mm. get anything in terms of tech. Now, I think yeah. that might be more appealing um, to some cruiser. It's not going to change your your day, is it? Massively. You know what I mean? You're not going to be playing with the settings. You get in a setting, you're just going to leave it there. So yeah. I wouldn't necessarily miss the extra tech. It's cool to have, but... It's not a deal breaker, is it? No. Um, but yeah, that's still... I mean, they, they list the, the Indian Scout as like... They call it barely tamed power as like one of the selling points on their website. So they're trying to say like, it's 90 odd horses, I think the UK version. Yeah. And that the lack of electronics is, is a selling point for them. So it really depends yeah. on where you come at it from. It's a great bike, but yeah, it's a lot of money. And then when you compare it, I think, you know, with those two... The other one that's a kind of obvious competitor would be the uh, the Bobber from Triumph, and that's twelve nine nine five. And again, it's yeah. it's quite simple. I think you do get yeah. a few features like um, riding modes and and uh, cruise control. You don't get the yeah. full works that you get on the Harley, and that's yeah twelve nine nine five. So you can save like nearly two and a half grand, or you yeah. could just go for something that's not a cruiser if you just want something retro like the Speed Twin, and it'll be a great bike to ride. And that's eleven seven nine five, which is looks like good value. I'd say that's, you know, still fairly spendy, but compared to those others, it's, there's some other options out there, aren't there, mate? Uh, yeah, there are. I think that's, that's one of the, I don't know whether that's even that big a problem really for Harley. I mean, think, I think the biggest problem would be that if it is a modern bike and obviously they have made it um, up to date and that's really good to see actually from them. Um, and I'm excited to see where that sort of develops, but you sort of it's a contradiction really it's a double-edged sword because then you take away the character that buys people into the harley brand and you mm-hmm. might find people wanting to buy it you know a five-year-old harley instead that's the older models as opposed to going for the newer models because they're just i don't know um kind of gray, not grayscale is a bit harsh but you know what i mean they blend into the other modern manufacturers then yeah so they're playing in a different field almost uh tricky one uh, they've still got some allure to me though i have to admit they do the problem is I don't ever see myself buying one, mm. but I can't deny that they always do grab my attention. For sure, it's, yeah. It's a strange it, one. It was weird kind of just seeing it in the flesh and sitting on one. I was like, oh, actually, it looks quite good in the photos. And I was sort of like sitting on it for some of the pictures. And I was like, yeah, maybe yeah. I could rock this, you know. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think the kind of um, the summary on it is if you do want a cruiser like that, of that sort of yeah. bobber or scout, or Nightster Ilk, but you want something with navigation built in and you do ride with yeah. a Cardo headset or something and you know you like to play with riding modes, maybe you can justify it because it is actually quite a lot more feature-filled than the competition. Yeah. But I think that's really, that's that's the crux of it. You know, if you want a simple bike, then you might get slightly better value with the others. 
Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you just want a Harley, you want that badge, uh, then obviously maybe it's worth paying more if you want, mm. if that means a lot to you. But we're not posers, are we, mate? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big pause. I'm a professional poser. My whole, <laughs> my two days of my week are spent just standing in front of a camera. But it had been thinking anyway with the um, entire Harley lineup that they announced. There's some interesting looking bikes in there. And I wondered if any, because you're a little bit more casual on the Harleys than me, aren't you? I, I, I'm quite into yeah. it and I review quite a few, but for you, it's not really your, not your bag so much. No, no. Like I say, they've always intrigued me. They always have some kind of an alert, but I genuinely don't think I'll, I'll ever buy one myself. But I know the ones that kind of catch my attention. Um, so I thought we'd um, do a little sort of yeah, comparison of our picks and have a look at the lineup for this year and pick out three bikes we'd actually like to ride. I don't know if you want to go first, mate, yeah, with your more kind of um, mainstream view on it, perhaps. And yeah. then <laughs> you can tell me where I've gone wrong with it as well, because I'm sure I have. <laughs> uh, I'm just most of mine is just sort of based on because, like I say, I've I've only ridden. I think I've ridden two. Um, which ones and they weren't even the new ones it was the definitely the sportster i can't remember i think i did the fat bob as well but um mm. yeah i've i've ridden and they but they were you know not this season's not the newest versions got it but i think for me it's always been the sportster always has a pull for me right i think that'll be an obvious pick for most people it's a really easy one there's a reason it sells so well for harley as well because it is your introduction to the brand quite often and if you're not used to cruisers, it's the fact it's called a sportster because it's supposed as a cruiser, it's supposed to be a bit more kind of agile than some others. But so you mean the, the Nightster then, or the Sportster S? Because the old air cooled Sportsters are gone now because they don't pass Euro Five. Yeah, yeah, I know it's sad, uh, and that is what I wrote. But no, so the it, for me it would be the Sportster S, I think. Um, and you can correct me on that, whether or not actually it does handle slightly better. Is it a little more agile? It certainly looks a little bit. Uh, so I got a chance to ride that one last year and it yeah. is, yeah, I mean, it does kind of handle pretty well. It's very low yeah. slung. Um, it's quite firm. So it does, it doesn't feel like a, a wallowy cruiser. It is, you know, quite aggressive. You get probably better suspension right. as well than you'd find in the rest of the lineup. And I think it's fully adjustable. So it does, it does, it's fairly maneuverable. It's not quite as heavy as some of the big Milwaukee eight powered bikes. It's got a higher exhaust as well, right? So it's, and like maybe yeah. the pegs have a little bit more ground clearance or not? Uh, ground clearance is a little better than average, but the, the high exhaust, I don't think makes a big difference. It just burns your leg. Well, just from my V9, I remember scraping that bugger constantly like the, the pegs but also if you really got on it you'd be scraping the exhaust easy you didn't even have to really try perhaps it. i think they just did it because it gives it a bit of a tracker style i think that probably yeah the other thing as well like with a lot of the harley bikes i've just got a, a slightly larger um, diameter front wheel on quite a few of them in fact yes. most of the bikes have a bigger than a 17 um yeah. they've given it something a bit smaller but it's proper balloon sized tires i think it's yeah, similar yeah. front and rear and so i wouldn't say it's the quickest turning bike but no I'm gonna say, mate, it is a very it looks phenomenal and when you ride it it gives you that sort of feeling and it, and it probably is i would say at the moment probably the best handling bike in the lineup so i would say what you're saying yeah. is valid there you go just yeah. with some caveats so outside of the harley line if it probably <laughs> doesn't you know if you compare it to an actual Naked yes, bike, whatever, obviously. Yeah. So my second one would be the Fat Bob, I think, for me, unsurprisingly. I think it's... 
<laughs> I think if you're going to go to sort of the extremes, I like the Sportster because obviously it handles uh, relatively in that bracket, it handles pretty well. Um, and for me, not being a cruiser rider, again, it's a good entry level because, you know, it, it can um, perform a bit better. You don't have to sacrifice your lean angles and stuff quite as much. And then the Fat Bob for me, I just like uh, how obscenely chonky it is. It just it uh, is. <laughs> there's something really satisfying about a big daddy of a bike uh cruising along i think that's always had a pull for me as well yeah it's a cool looking bike interestingly i think in the last episode we talked about a video that i filmed and didn't publish i think it might have been the interceptor i don't know yeah. why this keeps happening in the podcast but this is another video that i filmed and didn't publish <laughs> maybe it just wasn't as good as i hoped it would be but it was um mm. a back-to-back ride of the sports duress and the fat bob which are the two bikes you've just picked. But yeah. um, I, the reason I picked them was because they have a similar image, like you say, very chunky and yeah. uh, big balloon tires and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you can probably say they've got a comparable amount of like street cred or they're going to give you the same sort of presence, but mm-hmm. they really are very different bikes. Like that that liquid-cooled engine, the Revolution Max in the Sports Duress, it, it revs mm-hmm. up a lot and it feels much more like a Ducati V-Twin or a KTM V-Twin. Mm-hmm. The Milwaukee 8 in the, in the Fat Bob is more typical of what you used to find in Harleys. I'd say they've lost a little bit owing to emissions strictness of that sort yeah. of exhaust note. But yeah, it's got a bit more vibiness to it and gruntiness. And all the torque is really low in the revs, like, you know, 2000 RPM or something like that. So um, yeah, it's a definitely a different feeling bike. The other massive difference there as well is the weight. It's... About 300 or three, 320 kilograms, the Fat Bob. Whereas, yeah, the Sports Duress, they've made it a lot more slender. Yeah. So it does have a lot of presence. The, the controls are chunkier. It's such a cool bike, mate. I think that's mm. a, a great shout. And also, uh, I think you see your vibe a bit as well. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, and I actually don't, I don't mind a heavy bike anymore. I really, really don't. In the right sort of setting. I mean, if yeah, the wrong times, it is a big pain in the ass, but that rarely ever comes up. You just sort of plan a bit better, I suppose, in certain scenarios. But um, yeah, those two, I think they span very contrasting sort of ends of the spectrum. And I I like that. So if I was picking, those are the two that I'm uh, most drawn towards. I would struggle a bit with the third, if I'm honest. If I was looking just within their lineup of Harley, I'd probably go towards a Pan America. But Mm. that's not in the cruiser category. So... You know, it doesn't have to be a cruiser, mate. You can admire the other then I'll throw that in. offerings. Yeah, no, I'd throw in the Pan America just because, again, if you're looking for something completely different, if you're looking at three completely different bikes within their whole lineup, then you can't get much more contrasting, I think, than those three. It's proper impressive as well, the Pan America. I yeah. think, you know, you look at the abilities, if you look at some of the comparisons on YouTube of like, uh, KTM Super Adventure and stuff off-road versus the Pan America. It doesn't have the same amount of ground clearance. It's not quite as hardcore off-road focused. But I've done quite a few things on the Pan America. I rode to Land's End from Bristol and back in a day, mm. which is a good 400 miles or so. Mm. And um, it was surprisingly good on fuel and it was really comfortable. I didn't get any aches or anything. And I really enjoyed it, weirdly. Like it was just motorway slog all day. I just did it as a, mm. you know, can this bike tour. I didn't publish yeah. that video either. <laughs> Stop teasing people with videos that haven't been out yet. Mate, I tell you, it really eats into the profit margins of your channel. You <laughs> can just keep going out and filming things that you don't actually publish. Um, but the other thing I did as well, which I 
did publish was went to the Mick Excellence Harley Davidson adventure experience last year in um, yeah. in Wales. Yeah, and like I say, you know, probably someone like Mick, who's you know ex Dakar. Yeah, probably yeah. can find the limits of it, but he mm-hmm. seemed to really enjoy riding it. Obviously, yeah. he's probably going to say that though, because they're contributing probably financially to that setup, or at least bringing yes, in a lot yeah, of business. Of mm. But I think I, I would agree. Like for certainly someone of my abilities, it's it's easily capable enough, and it's very planted. And it's um, with the off-road riding, much like when we did the Africa Twin Adventure Day, you and I, yeah. um, you've got to trust it. It feels like a big bike. And you look at like a, a drop-off or a little climb or, um, yeah. you know, they have some kind of like rocky bits there. Uh, you think there's no way a big bike like this can get up there. But sometimes yeah. if you just, you know, it's normally you that fucks it up, basically. And yeah. if you just, if you went on the bike and you pointed it where you wanted it to go and just, you know tape the throttle open slightly it'll probably do it it's just when you freak out and grab the brakes or give it loads of gas so I, I was i was really impressed with it and i think it's not a bad shout i wonder how they've been selling though i haven't seen any sales figures i've seen a fair amount of them i don't not that that's any that's anecdotal completely but i in terms of like the span of bikes that i see around and mm. very rare you know you see them in different areas so obviously you see more of your adventure bikes outside of london you don't tend to see quite as many around mm. uh, this area because they don't make as much sense but down in like devon and wales and stuff i've definitely seen some so they've sold a couple <laughs> well what was interesting about it as well is like when i first rode one i borrowed it from the cardiff dealership and the interesting thing about harley shops is like they have a lot of community even on a weeknight i'd go there on a weekday in the yeah. summer and it'd be light enough and warm enough for an evening ride and as yeah. i was leaving at maybe four or five o'clock You'd get riders coming down on their cruisers and congregating and having a chat, looking at the bikes, and then they'd go and do an hour or two together. And what was super interesting about the Pan America was I was one of the first people to take their demo out, and I Mm -hmm. got back, and then some of the guys that are normally on the big tourers with a lot of chrome, uh, the customized sportsters and breakouts and, you know, everything in between, who... You know, they're wearing Harley T-shirts and leathers and, you know, that sort of vibe. Hmm. Bandanas, maybe, leather waistcoats, that sort of stuff. You'd never see them on a GS in a million years. And yet, as soon as I rolled up, they all kind of stood around and they were interested in that sort of ability the Pan America has to drop the rear suspension when you come to Hmm. a standstill because... Maybe they've looked, you know, it is a slightly older crowd. Maybe it was mm. because it was a weeknight as well. So you've just mainly got retired people. But yeah, I think you're saying they need the some height. help getting on and off the bike. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, a lot of them like to ride with their wife on the back as well of the, of the cruisers. And it's yes, really yeah. easy for a passenger to get on and off no matter what age they are. And I think they were sort of like, oh, can I have a sit on it? How does it lower? How does it come back up? And then, you know, some people had their... Ah, that sounds very like gender normy, doesn't it? To say, oh, their wives go on the back, and but that's just what I observed that day. I know what you uh, mean. Yeah, it, yeah, unfortunately, it is the the norm. It is more common. certainly amongst yes. that group. It was, um, and so they would have the, their wife kind of like sit on the back and and try it out. And I just can't see them rolling up to a BMW dealership and doing the same with a GS. I think it's just not their image. But, but maybe like you say, they, you don't see the same community. You're right, though. It's weird. I went to the one in Watford or close to Watford, and it was mm. the same thing. It was just a random Wednesday or something similar, you know, in the week, yeah. in the middle of the day. And there was people there. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> you wouldn't get that. <laughs> if you went to, like, the Triumph dealership or you went to, like, a, I don't know, Yamaha, Honda, whatever, you're not gonna, you wouldn't get the same sort of crowd. <laughs> but, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're funny bunch sometimes. I remember in uh, London, I went to one of the shops and I was on like my Bonnie or something, but I tested a, I uh, can't remember what it was actually, Lowrider or something like that. And then yeah. a few of the guys outside just hanging out were like, oh, you can yeah. get a proper bike sort of thing. Um, <laughs> of course. But it's just a bit of bounce, which I don't mind. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely so, a scene. What are your three picks? What are you entering their field with? Yeah, I think out of the lineup at the moment, I mean, ever since I had um, a Goldwing, I've always really liked the sort of fully loaded Tora, uh, you know, with all the luggage and a big comfy seat on the back. In fact, yeah. we tested that out two up, didn't we? I, I found that video the other day of me, right? I gave you a lift to work one day in London. Yeah, it was just a fun to see day. How good it was, that was the best was. commute. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Yeah. I was sat there listening to the radio, watching you trying yeah, to squeeze that thing through traffic was quite fun <laughs> Flash, probably a bit scary when you're on the back yeah a little bit but uh, certainly something like the well there's two really that catch my eye the uh, ultra limited which is has got a single round headlight looks a little bit more traditional the road glide is a similar bike i mean all, a lot of the bikes with the you know the same platform are quite similar in the lineup but the road glide has like twin headlights and um i think it might be a, yeah, a, a frame I, variant as well the road glide I've seen more of, I think, yeah, definitely. With but the, twin, the, twin the slightly sort of traditional vibe of the Ultra Limited um, looks really cool to me. And I think they're doing it in a 120th, yeah, to a, a kind of anniversary edition uh, yeah. with a sort of crimson red paint job and then this Art Deco style gold uh, tank badge, which mm. for me, it, it, it's sort of like, it's not the most, it's not the headline. There's the CVO Road mm. Glide Limited with the full anniversary edition paint job that's a little mm. bit more intricate and that's 50 grand. Um, but I think they're making a few of the other bikes in a sort of simpler version of the anniversary paint job and it looks really, really nice. And I just love mm. the idea of, cruising in absolute comfort i just love big bikes like that there yeah, um, yeah. you know there's others that i've ridden like the r18 transcontinental yes. and um you know they're not for handling they're not for parking they're not for filtering but it gives you this ultimate sort of king of the road sensation and also the, the distance you can do in in actual complete comfort on some of those bikes is yeah it's pretty impressive. So I do really like the look of the Ultra Limited this year in that anniversary spec. Ooh, I'm not sure what else. I'm going to have to have a little think here. So that one that has always appealed to me is the Heritage Classic. It's one of the most traditional looking bikes in the lineup. It's got that kind of um, big front mudguard that kind of comes around a little bit like what you used to get on the Indian yeah, I'm looking bikes. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I like about this bike as well is it's got one of those windscreens that's um, sort of classic... American like movie. A, yeah, American cops and stuff. Yes. Often you see them, right? Yeah. Yeah. But what's really nice yeah. about that one as well is it it pulls off, it lifts off that windscreen really, really easily. Right. And uh, so it really transforms the look of the bike from something yeah. that's um, got that, yeah, almost police vibe. Yes. Um, to, yeah, like a, a naked cruiser. And of course, if you've got the luggage that clips on and off, that can transform the look as well. So. Mm -hmm. that looks really nice to me in terms of um you know you get the milwaukee eight so it's still got a little bit of that like it's mm -hmm. air and oil called that sort of old school charm um it makes all that power really down low uh, and it's got the more traditional look um in fact both the ultra limited and the heritage classic are, are quite sort of um traditional looking bikes mm -hmm. what else would i pick i feel like i would have to mix it up but you got two similarish ones there yeah I think the sports duress also 
I, I, I'm trying to pick yes. something a little bit different to you, but the Sportster S just no, looks Picture phenomenal. us both out. We can both have the same bike. We can both go out for a ride together, turn up at the cafe, <laughs> just different colours maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I would bagsy the grey. Um, oh, good, because that's not the colour I'd get either. <laughs> what would you go for? There you go. Perfect. I actually quite like, I mean, looking at it on the, on the side, I, I, I mean, can't beat black. I just like black anyway. Mm. It does look good with the gold as well. The gold kind of helps it stand out. But um, mm. yeah, I think the blue looks quite nice. I think it's just also a bike that I'd just like to put some real miles in on and um, kind of understand a little yeah. bit more what it's like to live with like can you go out for a sort of sunday blast quick ride type thing i think you probably can like it, it i think it'd be quite fun to ride like that on a on a regular basis i think like i said the handling has its quirks so you'd want to get to yeah. know it a bit um but i think it'd be fun to ride like that as for sort of just general i mean for posing literally if you just want to get photos for instagram and um, you know, just ride it to the to work and stuff, and just want to yeah. show up on a cool looking bike. I think it, it ticks that box. It's yes. just the comfort thing. Like honestly, the the rear shocks are quite something in terms of firmness. I mean, it's a lot of the Indian bikes are like thin that. Thin seat, I think, as well, right? On that Mate, very thin. Yeah, not not a lot of cushion. Yeah, it's it doesn't. I mean, the old one wasn't wasn't uncomfortable, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a comfortable bike to do distance, especially. I mean, if you're just popping around town, short blasts fine, but mm. it's not. Uh, it isn't the most comfortable position of a bike, no. but uh, at least it had a thicker seat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and soft definitely. Um, so they'd be my picks. We've converged there a little bit on one of them, um, but that'd be quite a fleet between us, mate. Imagine that. Yeah, what's that? What we're dealing with here is about 100 grand, isn't it? More than that, 150? <laughs> oh, easily. Probably, yeah. It's a lot of money. So this You've also taken up a lot of that, I'm not going to lie. You know, you <laughs> go for the, the big hitters. The punchy ones, definitely. But yeah. um, hopefully we'll get a few of those for the channel and, and do some reviews this coming year. Certainly the Nightster specials on the list. And there's some that I'd like to revisit as well. And I do believe, actually, they've got something else in the works. When they launched all these last week, right at the end of the video, there's something hinting that there's more coming. So we'll, we'll look forward to seeing what that is. But all of this talk of Harley's is somewhat moot from this day forward or from Monday forward. Because earlier this week... Mm. I went and rode for the first time ever, mate, um, a Diavel. Well, specifically the X Diavel uh, from Ducati. Okay. Yeah. And Sounds like you're going to say you loved it. Well, I mean, for context and as to why I went and rode that particular bike right now, uh, I'm going on the, I think I mentioned in the last episode, we're going to Dubai soon to ride the Diavel V4. And because I've never ridden any Diavels at all, I thought I've got to do a bit of research here and understand what the V-twin powered bike feels like so that I can speak a little bit about whether it's improved. And so I went up to Superbike Factory because they've got loads of them in stock. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about working with them. They've got loads of everything. So you can get all different generations. I've just got to schedule it in and then I can go and borrow interesting bikes, not just the, the new stuff. I don't know, mate. It's just recalibrated my expectations of what a cruiser style bike I know that the, the Diavel is a little yeah. bit more mid-pegs, but the, the X-Diavel's feet forward. Yeah. Mate, it is mind-blowing. So I've been, yeah, I I haven't ridden one, but I know a lot around them because it is a bike that's that's grabbed my attention in the past where I've looked up videos and, you know, read stuff yeah. on them. And some of the things that people say, it's it's a different kind, it's a different class, really. It's, um, you've got your sort of traditional cruisers, and then you've got within that you've got a scale of you know bigger cruisers and smaller cruisers, but they are they you know they follow a similar format. Yeah. And then you've got kind of real oddball additions to that, 
and I say like the Yamaha is the VMAX, isn't it? That, that Yamaha do. Yeah. That's it's technically it's a cruiser, but it's not really a cruiser. And then you've got like the Triumph Rocket where you go, it's kind of a cruiser, but it's not a cruiser. And then same with the uh, Devil from Ducati. It's like, it's, it has its own category almost. It's sort of, it gets lumped together with them, but it isn't the same as them. And I've been told that it handled, particularly that the handling on it is just nothing like any other cruiser out there. Yeah, I think my previous expectations of what a power or performance cruiser could be are from the rocket, which I've ridden extensively in this sort of R and GT forms. Yes. And obviously it makes more torque than any production bike on the market. It's the biggest production yeah. engine. It's, it's kind of weird because it's that big inland triple. So it feels like yeah. a, a big, big, um, speed triple or street triple. Yes. Um, but it's still massive. I mean, they, they shed like, from the previous gen, they shed like 50 kilos or something crazy or 30 kilos mm, or yeah. something like that. So they, they were making a big song and dance about how the rocket is slimmed down. And it, it is a phenomenally capable bike in terms of handling and stuff compared to yeah. what you, you're looking at. When you get on it, you know, it, it moves a lot better than you'd expect. Yes. But I mean, the Diablo is just kind of like normal bike weight, you know? It's like right, yeah. 220 kilograms or something. That might be dry, but... It's, it's, it's like, a, it's the difference of having like a passenger basically on the back or not for the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rocket yeah. versus the yeah. Diablo. It doesn't make as much torque, yeah. the, the Diablo, yeah. but it makes similar power. And so that the way yeah. it responds and the way it handles is just on another level. Now I've not ridden a VMAX, mate, but I right. don't think you can get them here anymore. Uh, I don't think they, they float in and out of production, I think, in the, in the UK, well, in Europe. I don't think they've been in for a while, but they, you can still see them sometimes on the Yamaha US website, where cruisers are more popular, I suppose, over in the US. So True. I'm sure I've seen them in the last few years on like Yamaha, like in, uh, Motorcycle Live and stuff. I know it Maybe. might have been like five years ago, but I'm, I'm definitely sure I walked past one. Unless they were doing like a throwback, this is what we used to make, or this is what you could get if you were elsewhere in the country. Oh, sorry, Potentially. Well, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you can still get them now, but what people do say about no. that bike is it's like super tunable, I think, as well. So I've seen yes, a few comments yeah, where they're like, oh, the, the VMAX would kill any of these bikes if you tuned it yeah, properly know, or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, from what you can buy at the moment, from what is available on the market, the, the, yeah. the X-Diavel is phenomenal. The, the, the V-Twin normal Diavel is gone because they're replacing it with the V4. So I just can't right. wait to ride that bike. I think it's going to be incredible. So my question would be, is it close, like, in any way close to any other bike that you've ridden, what would you compare it to? Um, because mm, <laughs> obviously you mentioned really. the rocket, but it's nothing like the, the rocket. It's like so a it's big like, cruiser, isn't yeah. it? It's a massive bike. The the, the, the X Diablo felt big-ish, mm. but it is literally like the performance of a Super Duke or something. You know, because it's a big V twin. It makes 160 horsepower and so nearly okay. what a Super Duke makes. You've got similar yeah, okay. levels of comp componentry. It's, oh, it's a bit heavier. It's mm -hmm. obviously the geometry means it's a bit more stability biased. It's got that 240 section rear tire, which is massive. So yeah. it's not going to be as nimble, but just in terms of like, if you took it to the track, you, they'd feel night and day different. But if you're just on, um, like country roads where you can only do sort of certain amount of pushing it, like a lot of the time on the gas, it feels as capable as something like that. And yeah. through the corners, it doesn't feel obviously, like I say, a back to back comparison is going to be different, but yeah. it feels like that just transplanted with a um, cruiser riding position. Yeah. Like, with like feet forward and stuff. Yeah. Especially on the X Diablo where it is more forward, I think. And 
Yeah, it's just blowing my mind a bit. I just kind of wish I'd ridden one earlier because I, I don't know practically how much you'd want to ride a bike like that. The riding position isn't necessarily for me. I prefer mid pegs on a cruiser style bike. And even more than mid pegs on a cruiser style bike, I just prefer a naked bike with normal yeah. foot pegs or sporty foot pegs. But yeah, it's phenomenal. And it's just really whet my appetite for finding out more. I th- I, it, potentially it's a bit better. Be- but better looking than the um, the new V4 as well because it's still got the trellis frame and the wheels and right, stuff yeah. and the size mm-hmm. of it. Mind-blowing, mate. If we ever get a chance to think of a reason for his boat again. <laughs> can the reason not just be that we love it or just, <laughs> just for a good day? Uh, can this be one of those videos that just doesn't get published? Could um, be, or, or even better, <laughs> we could... We could do the thing and publish it and get paid yeah. for doing it, which is... Oh, <laughs> that's novel. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, if I ever get the chance, there's a few bikes. So it's similar to, you know, when we took out the Norton and I was like, if it's one of those bikes that I've always seen it and gone, if someone offers me the keys, I'm going to leap at it. Like, you know, there's some bikes that maybe it's rare. It's, it would be a rare occasion that if someone goes like, do you want to take this out? I'd be like, no, I'm good. But, um, Mm. especially if I haven't tried it before, but that is definitely one of them where if the opportunity come up, uh, I would travel to go and, you know, ride that thing to experience, uh, just how different it is. Cause I am curious. I don't know. I don't even know that I've got much expectation for how it's going to feel because I don't think it is going to feel like anything else that I've ridden. Very Excited. cool bike. Yeah, so that's um, mostly what we've been up to this last week or so. Thanks for the interactions on the Facebook group. We'll post yeah. up um, a few additional pictures and things on there. So if anyone's kind of a new listener and they want to get more involved and suggest topics and stuff, go to the uh, go to Facebook, search for the Full Tank Motorcycle Podcast, and you'll find it there. What have you got coming up over the next few weeks, bud? Fixing my bike. <laughs> oh. uh, fixing my bike and then still in February, I mean, like, probably not an awful lot of riding. I will just grab it as I can. After that, it is going to be the uh, CF Moto launch still. Perfect, mate. Yeah, we've got the Moto Marini as well, 6.5 Scrambler or same. Yeah, you've got that with you Scrambler. now, have you? Uh, it's not in the in the studio right now, but it is in my garage. And um, I'm looking forward to reviewing that. I think also I spotted weirdly i've been trying to get hold of an aprilia rs 660 or uh the twin 660 you know the parallel twin really good price look at you know rave reviews across the board i think mcn said it was bike of the year last year or the year before and uh so i've really been trying to get one but it's hard to get one from a dealer because of supply line issues they sell what they've got and they don't offer demos and um i couldn't get one from aprilia head office because they've got no press fleet over winter but I spotted a couple in Superbike Factory. So I'm going to maybe just go uh, yes. and do a straight up review and just get to okay. know that bike because that looks like fun. So hopefully yeah. a couple of good bikes come in on the channel. And then I believe the week after that, it's the Diablo trip. So very excited. And we'll, maybe we'll pod from Dubai. We can dial in and Here I'll give go. you the lowdown. Yeah, let's try it. We'll see if the time zones um, allow. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, in my head, I'm trying to be like, so which one of us is getting up at a stupid time in the morning? <laughs> uh, mate, I'll probably be awake at, you know, 3 a.m. because of the jet lag and whatnot. And then I'll probably just about get used to it before I set off back. But yeah, I think it'll be me me <laughs> looking for something to do in the middle of the night. Like, Tim, do you want to do a podcast? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much to everybody for listening. And we'll see you next time. See you soon.